They say the world can be hard, cruel, and ugly. Trust me, it gets worse if you're hungry and thirst. Doesn't push you from position, last place to first. Can't build a foundation without having feet in the dirt. So I put in the work, grind harder than most. I don't chase accolades of the living, I'm facing a ghost. That's what makes me the GOAT. Depending on who you ask, my brother, whatever task. Got it covered like a mask, guaranteed they can't see me at the open run. Cause I cook competitors until they look well done. Don't act like you don't know where I held from. I had to climb about the trenches, sit on benches, throw my time and come. Don't be mad at the player, be mad at the game. Sneak this in the hating, that's a flag on the play. Me falling off, huh? That'll be the day I'm like, bolt in the race, leave the track, flambe, it's the open run. Today in Canada is what some people call Thanksgiving. In America, we call it JV Thanksgiving because the varsity Thanksgiving happens in November. And there's always the legendary pay Thanksgiving story in November. We might get to that this year. I have some Wu-Tang business and some Tribe Called Quest business to get to then for their 30th anniversaries. But that's a whole nother conversation. And some people in the States would call today Columbus Day. But the only Christopher we acknowledge in departs from where I hail is Christopher George Latour Wallace. Shouts out to my man, Biggie. And thinking about Biggie made me think about this past weekend. I was listening to a lot of music. Fascinated by what Little Brother's doing. I always loved Little Brother from the very beginning. Shouts out to my man, Benny B. I know that the guys from Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina are not fans of Benny B. But Benny B gave them their start. So at the end of the day, I'm going to acknowledge that. At any rate... Wish Me Well is a new EP they put out, but I kept being influenced when thinking about this week's program by No News is Good News. I don't believe that, but I like the title of the album by one Fonte Lashad Coleman. And on that album, he has a song called Expensive Jeans. Talk about being black is the most expensive jean of all. It's a great double entendre. What we wear, how we carry it. And it lent to why it was so important to talk about the real reason that Draymond Jamal Green Sr. duffed out Jordan Poole because it's alleged that he said, it's more than alleged at this point, he said that Draymond Green was an expensive backpack for 30. 30 being Wardell Stephen Curry II. That he doesn't win anything without Steph. Mm-hmm. Last week I spoke about this. Steph Curry is going to be great no matter what. Let's be clear on this. He maybe would have won a championship or two. Who knows? But for me personally, Based on what I've seen and understanding the value of Draymond Green, no Draymond, no championships. In a way, I hate the fact that he ended the pool party the way he did, because Jordan Poole go blue all day, every day, has been relegated to obscurity in Washington, D.C. Let me see how many light-skinned fights will happen between he and Kyle Kuzma. That might be a problem down there. But whatever the case is, Expensive backpacks. Like, what are we carrying in this life? What burdens are you willing to carry? I'm not talking about like a Birkin bag or something like that. People are, oh, he's in his bag. What is in your bag? What are you willing to carry? What are you willing to let go? What well, seems that Draymond and the rest of the Warriors have let go of their expensive bags like Jordan Poole and brought on another one that might be a burden or not, depending upon how he comports himself in the locker room, but he's a professional, and Christopher Emmanuel Paul. But let us get into our friendly bag and welcome you to the podcast where basketball and life are one. It is the open run with Will Strickland. That would be me. 
The Open Run with Will Strickland is brought to you by the fine folks at One Neighborhood. One Neighborhood coming to you soon. I can be found across these rough interweb streets at W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter. Will Strickland and the number one on IG and across all streaming platforms where podcasts can be found. But right now exclusively at Anchor.fm. As I was saying before, as of this recording, it is Indigenous People's Day. Some people in Canada like to call it Thanksgiving. Shouts out to all of my indigenous brothers and sisters who acknowledge genocide on this day and don't celebrate it. I'm not trying to get too heavy, just making that acknowledgement as we also, segues are for kids, are hosting as Full Court 21 an indigenous sneaker art activation next summer during Full Court 21 called Acknowledge Us, where all the proceeds will go to the Orange Search Society as we Look to be better allies to everyone and hope to amplify a message around being a better ally as a result. Being a better ally is like Giannis telling the fans of Milwaukee, I'll be signing next year. I'm just not signing this year. As he could because he had an opportunity to sign his extension, but he had put the feet to the fire of the front office who have done everything to get him the pieces surrounding him to fight for a championship every year. If you look at the past five seasons, though, injury or not, outside of the championship year, there have been some very disappointing season endings to a young man now entering the front end of his prime. He's accomplished so much in such a short period of time, whether it be finals MVP, league MVP twice, defensive player of the year, most improved player, all-star game MVP, all these things. But there's always this thing about Giannis is old school. You know, he doesn't want to work out with other players and... All this other stuff. And it's not even necessarily about acknowledging his desire to walk it alone. To do it alone. To go through that process. Be like James Clubber Lang in the dirty, dark, dank basement doing chin-ups. That's a Rocky Three reference for those who don't know. But he does work out with other players. He worked out with retired players. He worked out with the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant. The guy he played against in the league. And once he was retired, I guess that part... I don't know if I'm going to call it goalpost moving, but he's not in the league anymore, so he's working out with players, okay? He's working out with the great Akeem Abdul-Elijahwan. We have the conversation. We've had the conversation about why whatever Elijahwan was charging him was chump change to Giannis and really a courtesy to arguably the greatest center who ever lived. Definitely the most versatile center in the game, although we don't have stats on what Wilt would have done, but based on the numbers we have, it's Akeem. And there is some sort of badge of honor that he doesn't work out with other players like other people do. Steph and Kobe and Durant and all those guys, you know, guys who've won multiple championships. I've worked out with other people and it hadn't stopped them from doing what they needed to do. As if this singular drive, the singular focus is the only way towards success. But we live in an embrace debate society where if you're not for one thing, then you're for the other thing and vice versa. And that's ridiculous. Your transport to success is not the same as everyone else's. Giannis is one thing. This is something else. I mean, it's to the degree that they will hold you to this notion that if you don't win because you were doing this this way, then you're a failure. No, it will definitely get into failures and expensive backpacks a little bit later on the podcast. But I don't knock him for a feeling the way he does. But I don't knock people who work out with other people either because they've been champions as well. That's their role to success, just a little bit different. I like how D. Wade talked about his road to success 
when he called his man after the late great Kobe Bean Bryant had won his fifth championship. He said, yo, dog, what you going to do now? So now it makes the Facebook University and Twitter Tech IG Institute conspiracy theorists lose their minds. See, he needed this. He needed, he needed to work out with those guys to win a championship. He colluded with them. Well, he got a phone call. Opposite to whatever narrative you want to create. You need everyone else to believe. He's like, come on, man. We had a parade before we started. What do y'all think it was? We're going to hype them up. We're going to say things to get them amped. So when he says, not one, not two, not three, and people held him to that, which, of course, it's like saying, I want ice cream. And then you get there and like, you know what? I'd rather have chocolate cake. You know, like, nah, dog, you said you wanted ice cream. Yeah, I did. And I also said I wanted chocolate cake. Relax. People are silly. But it created a, a level of fear. That's why this thing exists in the first place. And even Charles Barkley said this. And, you know, people talk about that ring culture or was created shortly after the hashtag, he who shan't be named, came into the league. That all of a sudden people saw that he wasn't just hype, that he came out and he was doing his job and could possibly surpass the mythology of St. Michael Jeffrey of Wilmington. Because the reality is great, but the extra muscle in the hot dog, some people say the same thing for the hashtag, doesn't endear him to a lot of people in that way. And, and you know, you, you can talk about whatever beef that Barkley and Jordan might have, but the pettiness is this, whether it's Isaiah or Barkley, talk about other people and how they are and how they're so emotional. Just saying, you're the guy, you can squash the beef, but you don't want that. I thought we lived in the age of tofu. Let's make that happen. But narrative crafting. If you believe that this person is the greatest to ever do it, 100%. Lock it in. But you don't have to blow out someone else's candle to make sure your guys is lit. And I think that's what we end up doing. We create these here I go, but I don't want to go here. When the ring is the thing, it's the thing until you bring up people with more rings. Then it's, oh, well, this guy never led the league in this. Or this guy didn't have this much money. He didn't earn this much. He didn't earn $3 billion. As St. Michael Jeffrey of Wilmington has been named one of the top 400 people, the first athlete and top 400 richest people in America. Salute to him. He's built an amazing career, an amazing portfolio from being exactly who he is. Shouts out to his mother. As a matter of fact, she was the one who really set it off and made sure he was locked in financially forever. So if we want to give thanks on a day that has a dubious distinction, let's give thanks to St. Michael Jeffrey of Wilmington. Let's give thanks to the people who actually make these silly narratives up that, oh, if you don't have this many rings and Okay, well, Sam Jones has more rings than St. Michael Jeffrey. Does that mean he's better than him? Relax. In a team game, your individual accolades are great. Giannis has them. The hashtag has them. Wardell Stephen Curry has them. Kevin Wade Durant has them. And, of course, St. Michael Jeffrey, Charles Wade Barkley, the late, great William Felton Russell, and the late, great Wilton Norman Chamberlain. Accolades galore. But I'm thankful for all of them because you can't tell the story of this game that we love, this thing of ours called basketball, without mentioning them. And I can't tell the story of the open run with Will Strickland without you. So come back for more on the other side of this. See you soon. Back, giving you more of what you asked for. It's the open run with Will Strickland. 
Talking NBA Media Day last week. Monday, the official start of the season, in my opinion. It's almost like the first day of school. I haven't had a first day of school in quite a long time, but I do remember as someone who didn't have a whole lot growing up. When you got your new gear, I try not to wear my new stuff the first day of class. I want people trying to clown me or trying to rob me where I came from. That could happen. So I waited to see whatever everybody else had. And I, if I had anything that matched somebody else's stuff, I wouldn't wear it. Although, you know, I got to the point where I figured it wasn't about what I was wearing, but what was wearing me and my confidence changed. Oh, you got your clothes laid out in the bed the night before. You're like, you get your haircut. You're like, you know, figure out who's going to sixth grade now the whole night, right? And uh, it was an exciting time. And looking at NBA Media Day was like that. I mean, look at Jimmy Butler. He showed up with new hair again. And for those who remember the 80s, because I talked about sixth grade, and I was definitely in the sixth grade in the 80s. There was a singer by the name of Jermaine Stewart who had his, his whole perm pressed out like that. Like Jim, the way Jimmy Butler came to Media Day last week with a, we don't have to take our clothes off to have a good time. Press, that's what we are calling it. It was a good time. I mean, Jimmy Butler... Is having fun with his career. Here's a guy who was the 29th pick of the first round of his draft class. Has elevated himself to star status for sure. And a perennial primetime playoff performer. You know, the time when they need you the most. As a leader. As someone who people trust. The guy who's taken the Miami Heat to two NBA finals in the past four years. You can laugh if you want. But in the words of that immortal Negro poet, Albert Johnson, a.k.a. Prodigy. Life is a gamble. We scramble for money. I might crack a smile, but in a damn thing funny, including the joke that was issued by Joe Cronin, the GM of the Portland Trailblazers who left Miami on red, trading Dame to Milwaukee and then trading Drew Randall Holiday to the Boston Celtics. Maybe James Harden is their future. I doubt it because he wants to go to L.A., but Butler feels like, and he said he put it on wax, that they're going to win the championship this year. I don't know if they have enough. I like his confidence. Kawhi with a fresh braid up, showed up, allegedly 100% healthy. I don't even know what that means when people say stuff like that. Like, how do you measure 100% healthy? Every player in the league is dealing with nicks and bumps and bruises from years and years of service to the NBA. Every guy is. So what is the 100% healthy? It's almost like saying perfect, even though no one's ever seen it. But he looked in shape, as he always does. And then his body eventually betrays him, I guess. I don't know. Sitting at the podium, and they were telling him about the... A lot of alliteration today with the P's. Proven primetime playoff performer. And now, the player participation policy of the NBA, where you can't rest two superstars on the same night in the same game. Kawhi Leonard thought that maybe that was a dig at him. I don't know if he got into his emotional back or not, but he's like, look, I can't see it quite getting emotional. But he says, if the NBA is mocking my time in Toronto, you don't have to have a rules change to make me play the game. Oh, okay. He goes, I was hurt. Okay. And that's the tough part where teams might tell a player, I need you to sit out tonight because of this, that, or the third, or, hey, we're not going to make it. We want to get this draft pick or we have a protector here. Like the, the politics of the business are so great sometimes. And the burden ends up leaning on the players more than it does the people who are making certain decisions. I don't think guys are making millions upon millions of dollars 
decide, yo, I don't want to play basketball. I'm talking about the top guys. I can get guys who are like, you know what? I'm just tall. They said I can play. I can make a bunch of money. I don't really care about it like that. I like the accoutrement that come with the game as a professional. The women, the money. Well, the men, hey, look, I ain't judging you. You ain't on trial. The things, the perks that come with being a professional athlete. I get it. Not everybody has to have the same thing or have the same desire, the same drive. If they did, this league would be even more ridiculous than it already is. But with all due respect, word to my man Mark Jackson, the Knickerbockers and the former ABC color commentator are working on a deal where he would replace the legendary Walt Clive Frazier, point guard to point guard, and work in conjunction with, of course, Mike Brigham. Bang! So you still have some of that flavor in the tri-state, even if we don't get it on the national stage. Salute to Mark Jackson. And in duh news, the Rockets have stated that Kevin Porter Jr. was not going through a trial situation. We don't know what the outcome of his domestic violence incident is, but it would seem that he has violated his professional code of conduct clause in his contract, as every NBA player has. And they released him after trying to trade him. A man, what's his name? Raphael Stone, the GM down there? Moving wild weak right now. Don't get it. Let me stay in Texas and talk about saluting Devin Vassell from the Spurs. Five years, $146 million. And you're like, who? Exactly. Rank and file guys getting $30 million a year. You get with the market bears. So we are thankful to the table being set by the OGs. This is the result of that. The kid who kept his head down, played hard, worked into the system. The Spurs rewarded him. They definitely want someone around Victor Woodman Yama who can shoot the ball and at any time take some heat off of him so it made sense in a place where they're not going to win right away and they're going to take some serious L's for the next two years or so. But shouts out to Devin Vassell. Media Day talk got really spicy out on the west coast of Canada where the Raptors were in training camp in Vancouver, Simon Fraser University. And you could tell that President of Basketball Operations, Masaya Jury and Masaya Must Trust, and multiple-time All-NBA performer, Pascal Spicy P. Siakam, on the same page. Already? New coach? New squad? Who this? New number. Somebody might have a new address soon. But they're going to find the right package for him because they want to make Grady Dick and Scotty Barnes the guy for this squad. Your best asset at this point, multiple-time All-Star, multiple-time All-NBA performer, and Pascal Siakam. Messiah pointed out the level of selfishness on the squad that existed last year. And I reported a little bit about the rift between the younger players and the older players. And the older players are not that much older, and that's how young this league is. We'll talk about Jabari Parker's words about the NBA a little bit later as well. But Messiah was like, our team was selfish. Pascal said, I don't have a selfish bone in my body. Well, if you're going to be the guy, you're going to get the keys to the car, you have to figure out how to answer that in a different way. I can respect Masai's position and his lens on the thing. And I think we have to do better as a team and find levels of success that reflect what this team has always been about. From my G League days to being here. And hopefully I haven't contributed to that selfishness. But when you're talking about the team, you're talking about me too. And so I have to take some of the burden of that. That shows a level of responsibility. It also shows a level of respect and a level of desire. Just like you should have to come back for more on the other side of this, on the open run with Will Strickland.
You're now listening to the sounds of the open run with Will Strickland with Alexis, the inductive of the mic into the speaker. Preseason games, I talked about opening day and the first day of class, but what about that first field trip? Like when you get to go to Abu Dhabi and play some games like the Dallas Mavericks and the Minnesota Timberwolves did. They play two games there. And of course, the NBA pulls out all the stops as they see a new viable partner. That Saudi money, you better get some word to the PGA, bow down and get some of it for sure. Preseason games there, you saw Luka looking like he was in first MVP form. In shape, fluid, good World Cup performances for the most part. News at 11, Kyrie is back in the number 11 again. Will he be that guy down there? Will he find his place and find some peace in Dallas? Do he have the parts to make them go further in a very stacked Western Conference? I don't know. But they both look good so far. Some of the young guys, I'm keeping an eye out. Of course, I'm going to see Omax Prosper from Marquette University, product of Montreal, Quebec, Canada. You know, the other side of things, the guy that people spend a lot of time comparing to St. Michael Jeffrey of Wilmington, they say he almost looks like him. He could be his child. I don't know. I doubt it. But let me stop playing. This is his year for the leap. He and Carl Anthony Towns have to figure it out together. It's not going to be Rudy Gobert. I saw him do a behind-the-back pass on a fast break that almost made me. Even the commentator like, what? And he's the Minnesota play-by-play guy. He's like, what? Surprised by Rudy Gobert doing that, but... And Minnesota has one of those players that I would covet on my team any day. And he's probably going to be a great fantasy basketball guy. And Nas Reed, they didn't re-sign him. Almost had him going and playing the role that I think Christian Wood would play for the Lakers. He just probably wouldn't have gone for that level of check. So I'm not mad at him for staying in the land of 10,000 lakes and getting his dough. But he's going to be great for them. He's almost like a Bobby Portis guy, but with way better handle. Can be big, who can fill in for either Gobert or Cat. Does he make them better? I don't know, but we'll get there eventually. But I'm watching these games, and I'm getting excited. It's that time. And I know it's preseason, and there's a bunch of overreactions to what's going on in preseason. Oh, you know, especially with the new-look teams. Whether we're talking about Milwaukee or Phoenix or Boston, teams like that, lots of overreactions. The Pistons hosted the Phoenix Suns on a day where the New look Detroit Lions out there roaring and killing things. Had Hall of Famer Isaiah Lord Thomas III in the house exchanging jerseys with Lions star receiver Amon Ra St. Brown. And also hanging out with one Devin Armani Booker, who is from Michigan originally, Grand Rapids. In there sporting a Miguel Cabrera Tigers jersey and a Tigers hat. Right next to his man, Kevin Wayne Durant, with a Tigers hat on. I think it would be kind of fly if guys came... On their road trips and paid homage to a local sports star in that city. Kind of like how Devin Booker did because I really appreciated that. Which sounds odd, but I think there's a brotherhood even if the discipline is not the same. Baseball is obviously not basketball and vice versa. But I think, you know, with Isaiah wearing Amon Rod St. Brown's jersey and vice versa. Devin Booker wearing Miguel Cabrera, the eventual Hall of Famer, Miguel Cabrera's jersey. I thought it was cool. Anyway, homage thing. But preseason games got me amped up. The Bradley Emanuel Beal, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker backcourt, gave us 70 in the first half of the game. I mean, they didn't score all 70, but offensively, they looked great. And then I thought about who they were playing. They were playing the Pistons. Sorry, Kate Cunningham. Sorry, Dwayne Casey, Troy Weaver, Monty Williams. 
But dropping that many points on the Detroit Pistons and your former coach and also for a defensive coach who won't have a lot of defense going into this season. going to be interesting in Phoenix. I am not convinced yet. And these are overreactions, or are they, to the first preseason games being played in the National Basketball Association this year. Watched a lot of that Boston and Philadelphia game. Of course, the major story, no Harden, but no Embiid. Joel Hans Embiid, the reigning and defending league MVP, did not play. It's a healthy scratch from what I understood. But you got to see Drew Randall Holiday and also 3-6 Latvia. My man Chris Tapps Porzingis playing their first games in a Boston Celtic uniform. And they looked pretty good. Philadelphia beat them down with tempo and speed and defense. A lot of defense. Nick Nurse has those guys playing defense. I was really impressed with their rotations, what they did rebounding, Paul Reed re-signed last year. I, I like that a lot, and I'm looking forward to doing our NBA season preview on the open run with my man Ryan Antonio Henry coming up soon, or just right before the season starts. So you know, you'll hear us do our thing, and hopefully you'll check in and, and offer your thoughts. But getting to see Drew Holiday is what Team USA wants to do for 2024 in Paris. See, you can have the most talented team in the world but not have chemistry i think it's great that grant henry hill and steve kerr are looking to have a player like drew holiday who will combine talent and temperament to balance out that squad you're going to need a guy who's willing to say hey look i might not get the minutes that i think i should get it's hard to have a top 75 all-time player saying i'm going to sit on the bench and not play that much that's tough And they understand that as they're looking at the future of USA basketball and making sure they have that balance of, I like that, talent and temperament, because you do need that balance. And Drew Holiday fits the bill for that. But you can put your hands up, or Joel Hans up, for Joel Hans Embiid, who chose Team USA over France. And of course, his native Cameroon as a naturalized citizen of the United States, he explained why he didn't choose Cameroon, a team he had never played for internationally in the first place. But everyone's like, oh, he turned his back on Cameroon. Name the second best player on the Cameroon team, not named Pascal Siakam, because he has also never played for his national team. They can't do it. I gave him time just now. You heard that. You can't do it. But somehow, oh, you should play. Well, maybe they should. But telling people what they should and shouldn't do, slippery. Kind of shaky. Nonetheless, Joel Embiid explained why he wanted to play with his brothers, guys he played with in the NBA. His son was born in the United States. And he wanted his son to see his dad win a gold medal in that uniform. Cool. Those are his reasons. His reasons. The fact that he even felt like he had to explain maybe spoke to a burden that people were trying to put on him about not playing for Cameroon or not playing for France. But I'm glad he expressed himself in the way he did. And that he's not towing the line, much like every guy in the training camp for the Philadelphia 76ers is doing. They're all saying the same thing. I think this is a company line that has to be said, whether it came from Daryl Morey or Nick Nurse, that there's a great spirit in training camp. Great spirit, great energy in training camp, despite the distraction that is James Edward Harden Jr. Sure there is. And with other games going on, Sacramento and Toronto... They didn't like the beam yet. They're not on that yet. They played in Vancouver. Lots of Vancouver fans wanted to see another team come to the Pacific Northwest. Hopefully it will be in Vancouver. 
but I doubt that. The city of Seattle retained the name Supersonics, and I feel like from a nostalgic standpoint, you're going to get the Supersonics back. Vancouver will never get the Grizzlies back. Some other games that I noticed this weekend, including Memphis and Indiana. No Demetrius Jamel Morant, no problem. I like Indiana, and I think that Rick Carlisle, the wizard, has calmed down a lot and is figuring out how to utilize these young guys. You're going to have an NBA champion on your squad with Bruce Brown, who's going to be that energy you need, along with Benedict Matherin, who is going to start now. He's a candidate last year for Rookie of the Year and Sixth Man of the Year, stepping into his new role as a starter on this squad. Still have concerns over what they do with Miles Turner, if he can stay healthy for more than 60 games this year. But if he's healthy, Indiana could be a minor irritation in the East. Again, Ryan Antonio Henry and myself will go over the entire league, Eastern and Western Conference, sooner than later on the open run. The Milwaukee-Chicago game. I mean, Chicago is like trading deck chairs on the Titanic. I didn't see them get any better. I didn't necessarily see them get any worse. They just got older. If this is the year they make a push, that's it. Because after this, it's done. And Milwaukee, of course, did not give you what you wanted to see. People wanted to see Dame and Giannis out there. And, of course, there were healthy scratches for this game. DNP, probably some of the first times I've ever seen that. Next to their names, during an NBA game report. But last but not least, the Utah-LA Clippers game I watched. One, I like the Utah uniforms. They're clean as hell. But I really like what Will Hardy is doing with that squad up there. Sometimes I like when they run the big white guy lineup with the finisher, Larry Markkinen, along with Kelly Olenek and Walker Kessler. They're going to have problems rebounding, but you don't think they should. You have three guys about seven feet tall apiece on that front line, and the fluidity to be able to play that kind of lineup is amazing because those guys have enough skill to play those positions. Kessler is getting better as an offensive player, but he's going to protect the rim. Markkinen is a beast. He's doing his thing, and Olenek will do everything you need him to do. I like what they're doing in Utah. You saw, as I said, the healthy Kawhi Anthony Leonard, the healthy Paul Anthony George, and some guys who I feel like are going to help their G League team out. Shouts out to Xavier Moon, who might even get a shot this year, but behind what they have in point guard Russell Westbrook. And in the event that some of those assets they've been trotting out there on the court end up moving east to Philadelphia before James Harden, who knows? What we do know is not how we start, it's how we finish. And we finished strong here, so come back for more on the open run with Will Strickland on the other side of this. It's now winning time on the open run with Will Strickland. I want to thank you, the listener, for sticking with me and taking in the podcast where basketball and life are one. I am grateful and thankful for you and your presence, your feedback, and for listening to the show. So, on that note, it's now time for the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA. As a matter of fact, scratch that. On the WNBA and beyond, as we are talking about the WNBA Finals and also expansion. So many players being waived this past season. Quality college players who are great in the NCAA did not have enough room. 144 players in the league, 12 teams, 12 players. We're going to expand once again to 156. And the city that's going to get their first expansion franchise will be the Golden State Bay Area. I don't know what they're going to call them, but the Warriors are purchasing a team. They will play in the Chase Center there in San Francisco. They're coming in in 2025. 
because of some of the generational talents. These are once-in-a-lifetime players like Caitlin Clark from Iowa or Angel Reese from LSU. Talking about Paige Beckers from UConn, of course, with AZ Fudd as well from UConn. Olivia Miles, triple-double point goddess in Notre Dame. And, of course, Cameron Brink at Stanford. You have an opportunity to build a, a big fan base for sure, especially after what we saw with Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese in the NCAA final last year. So congratulations to Golden State. Congratulations to Kathy Engelberger, the commissioner of the WNBA. And congratulations to us, the fans, because we're going to get more great basketball from the league still growing. And shout out to Aaliyah Boston, the unanimous Rookie of the Year. And I thought it was odd that they announced that after they announced the MVP and all the other awards they announced Rookie of the Year. But what's not so odd is Phoenix Mercury owner Matt Ishbia, who also owns the Phoenix Suns of the NBA. Or they call him Governors now. So let me call him Governor. Hello, Governor. Anyway has approved a $100 million Phoenix Mercury-specific practice facility, much like the Storm have created and also the Las Vegas Aces have had created for them. I have a novel idea, though, about that $100 million. I figure you could probably do it at a fraction of the cost, still have the same luxury, and take that other $50 million and give it to the players. Don't tell nobody I said it. Speaking of giving something to the players, Dierica Hamby, formerly of the Las Vegas Aces, now with the Sparks, has filed a discrimination suit against her former squad. Hamby, who signed a two-year deal, was given, allegedly, all kinds of promises about her deal before they traded her. In the suit, she alleges that the Aces asked her not to get pregnant for at least two years, you know, the length of her contract. Like, how do you do that? It sounds so awkward to tell someone or ask someone not to get pregnant during the length of their contract. So Becky with a good hair, head coach Becky Hammond, so that never happened. The haul we got as a result of trading D'Erica are part of the reasons why we're in the WNBA Finals now. So I wish her well. I don't know how this is going to turn out for Hamby, but it does bring up the business practices of teams and this idea, misguided idea of loyalty. What I'm loyal to is game one of the WNBA Finals. I was so excited to see this. Because it's the best two teams in the league. And arguably the best matchup in WNBA history. Five former number one draft picks in this series. Multiple MVPs. John Cole Jones, Defensive Player of the Year and MVP. Asia Wilson, two-time MVP. Two-time Defensive Player of the Year. Brianna Stewart, two-time league MVP now. This is a series, as I spoke with Sean Williams about last week, that could have at least eight Hall of Famers facing each other. And it'd be a tipping point for this league. Based on what I've seen, it could be that. What I didn't like, what was whack juice to me, sucker sauce, was how ABC allowed the countdown crew of Lachina Robinson, Shanae Ogumike, and Carolyn Peck, along with Ryan Rucco and Rebecca Lobo on the sideline to talk over the intros to the most compelling WNBA Finals ever. I know for a fact that when you start the NBA Finals on no matter what network it's on, you get those big player intros the first time. like That builds up the drama and the spectacle of the thing. But they talk all throughout the intros like it was a regular season game. I was not a fan. Some things you should know before game one is that Brianna Stewart has never lost in a championship round. Ever. Four straight in the NCAA at UConn. Most outstanding player in each one of those. And she won two WNBA championships. Never lost. Word to LeVar Ball. On the other side of that, Asia Wilson. The hashtag he who shan't be named 
Lil Sis, as he calls her, was blessed with a one-on-one set of He Who Shan't Be Named 21s. And they were great, black and gold, fresh. Helped her to lead her team to a Game 1 victory. Even though I noted some things throughout the game, there are going to be things we have to note throughout this series. You're going to find that person early on who's going to be that spark. The person you didn't put in your game plan who had not played well in the playoffs. And Sandy Brangello, the head coach of the New York Liberty, found that in the French Connection. Marine Johannes, 14 points in the first half. She was hitting some Steph Curry three-pointers. She had a crazy dirt runner, one leg up, going to her left from three. I'm like, come on, she's in her bag. That's what the young kids say today, right? She had 14 in the first half. They shut her down in the second half. Was it a testament to whatever Becky Hammond said at halftime, whatever Asia Wilson and Chelsea Gray and Kelsey Plum said at halftime? But what about those forgotten members? John Gwell Jones is a former MVP and defensive player of the year in the same year. That's not easy to do. And she's bigger than everyone on the court. She was doing her job. She recorded her seventh straight double-double in the playoffs. It is a league record. I don't suppose that's going to stop anytime soon as they don't have the size to combat her without Candace Park in the lineup. But they played quicker. When I say they, I'm talking about the Aces. They sped up the tempo. Very well played game by both teams, really, in the first half. Exciting to watch, ebbs and flows, and then the third quarter. I always say this, first five minutes of the third quarter will tell you everything you need to know about an NBA or WNBA game. The Aces came out and they strangled and attacked right away. Whatever the Liberty were going to do on offense or defense, got exposed early and often. They opened the game up. Jackie Young is someone you can forget about on the court when you're talking about Sabrina Inescu and Courtney Vandersloot and, of course, Brianna Stewart on the Liberty. You're talking about... Candace Parker, even though she's injured, she's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Talking about Asia Wilson and finals MVP Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum. That Jackie Young gets lost in the sauce sometimes. She gave you 26 in game one along with Kelsey Plum, who had a slow start. They were going at her defensively for sure. Chelsea Gray just running the show, the closer in the fourth quarter, of course. They did their thing. They have a great squad. And it's going to be tough. See what the adjustments... Coach Brandella was going to make in Game 2, which will come Wednesday. Spreading this thing out a bit. Wednesday at 9 p.m. on ABC. Make sure you tune in and check that out. But before we go, I want to say something about this whole Drake versus Joe Budden thing. And Joe Budden, on his show, gave a review of Drake's new album, For All the Dogs, with artwork done by his son Adonis. A big deal to everyone. Joe Budden who admired what Drake has done for the industry, what he's done for rap music, what he's done for music, said, hey, this album is a little bit mid. He gave the reason, why, and of course, the word that the kids use, meaning it's just okay. He's entitled to his opinion. Somebody took that personally, but you're not MJ on The Last Dance. So he came out and he started attacking Joe Budden, saying that he's a failed rapper. And the reason he's doing what he's doing is because he's, failed at life and Drake has a 767 and Joe flies first class occasionally and Joe said look grow up a little bit father time is undefeated and this is true when you look at Joe Button I'm not caping one way or the other Joe Button is a guy who was successful as a rapper and it gave him an opportunity to get on this platform as a podcast guy who's unencumbered by label politics or working for a company or corporation that he runs his own ship he is his own master in this sense and while it might not be looked at on the same level of success as Drake. For Joe Budden, that is success. That is peace of mind. He's not taking this expensive backpack. 
the burden of carrying the label or making sure you recoup your money from somebody who gives you a chain to put on your neck, but they don't, you don't realize it's choking you out because it's taking all of your funds. He's found his purpose. He's just saying, hey, Drake, you're 36 years old. Can't do the same things you were doing at 26. Think about my dear old dad in this moment where he said in life, sometimes the worst advice is advice. But in this case, maybe I'll be Drake Graham should take it. And the reason I bring this up and talk about the expensive backpack is that that's Drake's burden to carry, just like Joe has his burden to carry. And Button didn't fail at rap. He failed at polish tricks. <laughs> and pardon me. I mean, politics. You could say that, too. He didn't play the game. He didn't want to play the game this way. He went out and did his own thing. Debate rages on. What won't rage on is Jabari Parker's take, you know, former high school phenom. Jabari Parker, who said that the league got too young and started looking at these kids as sophomores. Guess who was the number one sophomore ranked in his class at the time, back when they were doing this in the beginning? Oh, you, Jabari Parker. It's hard when the pot is called in the kettle black, but it is what it is. And again, he's entitled to his opinion. But all these things he's saying about the league is this and the league is that and it's, it's watered down or it's, it's softer now because it's younger. You were a part of that program, my guy. You weren't successful as a result. You moved on to other things. Congratulations. You're having a successful career in Europe. Knock yourself out. To believe that the NBA would ever be equal or there be parity is like saying the same thing could be said for life in general. That everything should be fair. It Should it be? Yeah, probably. Will it be? Nope. It's like looking at the NBA and this misguided notion of parity. That in 77 seasons, going into our 78th season of the NBA, that everyone should have a chance to be Drake. To be the hashtag you shouldn't be named. To be Kobe Bean Bryant or Wardell Seven Curry II or St. Michael Jeffrey of Wilmington. But the fact of the matter is, you can't. Of the 77 championships that have been doled out in the NBA, 52 of them are owned by five teams. One, two, three, four, fifth. Five teams. That's it. Facts shouldn't be a burden. They should just be facts. So until next week, do remember, do what's popular with the population. Make sure you don't get beat off the dribble. And keep listening to The Open Run with Will Strickland. Rich kid, my mellow, my man is officially fall out in these streets, dog. It's cold outside. Do what you do when you do it. Easy. <laughs>